Father in heaven, we thank you for the Bible. We thank you that it's your words of life to us. And we thank you that we have the freedom in Australia to open our Bibles and read them in a language that we can understand. So please help us now by your Holy Spirit that you'd open our minds and our hearts to your word. In Jesus' name, amen. So John chapter 3. Now there was a Pharisee, a man named Nicodemus, who was a member of the Jewish ruling council. And he came to Jesus at night, at night, and he said, Rabbi, we know that you're a teacher who has come from God, for no one could perform the signs that you're doing if God were not with him. Jesus replied, Very truly, I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they are born again. How can somebody be born when they're old? Nicodemus asked. Surely they cannot enter a second time into their mother's womb and be born. Jesus answered, Very truly I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless they're born of water and the Spirit. Flesh gives birth to flesh, but the Spirit gives birth to Spirit. You shouldn't be surprised at my saying you must be born again. The wind blows wherever it pleases. You hear its sound, but you can't tell where it comes from or where it's going. So it is with everyone who's born of the Spirit. Well, how can this be? Nicodemus asked. You're Israel's teacher, Jesus said. And do you not understand these things? Very truly, I tell you, we speak of what we know. We testify to what we have seen. But still, you people do not accept our testimony. I've spoken to you of earthly things and you do not believe. How then will you believe if I speak of heavenly things? No one has ever gone into heaven except the one who came from heaven the Son of Man. And just as Moses lifted up the snake in the wilderness, so the Son of Man must be lifted up that everyone who believes in him may have eternal life in him. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. For God didn't send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe stands condemned already because they have not believed in the name of God's one and only son. This is the verdict. Light has come into the world But people loved darkness instead of light because their deeds were evil. Everyone who does evil hates the light and will not come into the light for fear that their deeds will be exposed. But whoever lives by the truth 
comes into the light so that it may be seen plainly that what they've done has been done in the sight of God. Uh, please do keep your Bibles open. You need them to, uh, to follow along uh, this morning as we continue reading through uh, John's Gospel together at church. Uh, my name is Dave. I'm one of the, uh, the ministers here, and it's my privilege uh, to preach uh, this morning. Let me pray for us, though, as we, uh, as we get into it. Father, we are so uh, grateful for the way that you speak uh, through your word, and you've shown us the way of salvation uh, through faith uh, in your Son. We are so grateful for your love that we're reminded of this morning. Uh, for the way that you have sent him to save and redeem us. Uh, help us listen well this morning to your word, that we may be shaped uh, more like your son. In Jesus' name, amen. A show I used to watch uh, a few years ago now, which isn't on TV anymore, is a show called Enough Rope with Andrew Denton. I don't know if you know it, but Andrew, he's a comedian. Uh, who It was a, it was a great show because he researched the people that he interviewed really, really well. He, he, great in-depth uh, research beforehand. So he knew so much about the people going into the interview that as he spoke to the people, he was able to just draw out all this really interesting stuff about the people. And I felt like I learned so much about the people he spoke to through these interviews. Uh, and one of the best ways to get to know someone is to speak to them, uh, or in this case is to listen to Andrew or listen to someone else uh, speak to them. Uh, And in John's Gospel, the book we're looking at this term, uh, John wrote it so that he would help us understand who Jesus is better. He wants us to understand who Jesus is, his true identity as the divine, eternal creator, the Son of God, the Messiah. Uh, And conversations he had with people as well also help us know him, just like the one uh, uh, Luke very uh, well read for us uh, in Nicodemus. Nicodemus, we see from the opening couple of verses there, is a devoted, high-ranking religious man. He is a Pharisee. Pharisees were devoted to the Jewish law. He was a Bible-believing, church-going guy. But unlike the other Pharisees, you see, the other Pharisees were quite hostile towards Jesus. They thought that Jesus broke the law, but but Nicodemus is quite different. He, He isn't hostile. In fact, he comes to him. Uh, in, in, in recognition of him, he honours him by calling him rabbi, teacher. But more than that, Nicodemus notices uh, that Jesus has come from God because uh, <clears throat> the signs and the miracles that Jesus has performed couldn't be done unless Jesus was from God. And so that marks Nicodemus as very different, very different from the other Pharisees because they didn't think, because they certainly didn't think Jesus was from God They thought he was from Satan. And so it's important to see uh, the difference with Nicodemus and the others. But it's really important that we see this morning how Nicodemus knows that Jesus is from God. And it's because he has seen the signs. Signs are really important in John's Gospel. We've already seen it in the last couple of chapters and we'll continue to see it. But what's important about a sign is what they are pointing to. Just like this uh, sign out the front of our church here, uh, uh, the Bo- you can't even read it. That's uh, anyway, it's a really poor sign. But anyway, it's Bowen Street. It's just out the front here. I, I ripped it off Google. Um, but basically, it's a piece of metal uh, that points down the street. The sign isn't Bowen Street. The sign isn't important of itself. Its job is to point and to inform us where Bowen Street is. 
what's in, that's what's important about the sign is what it points to. And it's the same with the signs in John's Gospel. What's important isn't the signs and wonders of themselves, but what they are pointing to. You see, John tells us in the book that the signs are there. This, uh, this is up on, the, uh, uh, up on the PowerPoint. The signs are there to help us believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and then by believing you may have life in his name. The signs are there so that we will recognize Jesus' identity and that we will believe in him. And what Nicodemus knows is based on the signs he's seen. And if you look at the end of chapter 2, if you flip back a bit, you'll see there's there's a bit of a problem for those who believe because they've seen the signs. Have a look there from uh, chapter 2, verse 23. It says there, Now while he was in Jerusalem at the Passover festival, many people saw the signs he was performing and believed in his name. But Jesus would not entrust himself to them, for he knew all people. You see, people believed because they'd seen these miraculous, wonderful signs. But you see, they had failed to see what the signs were pointing to, that Jesus is the divine, eternal creator, the Son of God, the Messiah, God's promised future king. They were amazed by the signs, but they didn't see what they were pointing to. And they did not have genuine faith. And I don't think it's a coincidence that these, those couple of verses come just before we meet Nicodemus, who sees the signs and he says, I know that you've come from God, Jesus. But you see, he has failed to see what the signs are pointing to. But the thing about Nicodemus, as he comes to Jesus, he comes a true inquirer, a genuine inquirer. He really does want to find out more from Jesus. He's not antagonistic. He's not having a go at Jesus. He really does want to engage and find out more. But what's really interesting uh, is that Jesus comes to him at night time. And I reckon this level of detail, which didn't need to be there, but I think it kind of shows that Nicodemus is in the dark. He's in the dark. He does not understand. Despite all his expert knowledge, he's in the dark. Well, as Nicodemus uh, comes to Jesus, his mind is blown. Uh, Jesus explains the work of the Holy Spirit and the need to be born again to enter the kingdom of God. Flip back over to chapter 3. Have a look there at verse uh, 3. Jesus replied, Very truly I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they are born again. And even though Nicodemus, he doesn't ask uh, Jesus a question here, Jesus responds uh, to what he's thinking. Because Nicodemus, well, he has come, did you notice there in verse 2? We know, he comes with knowledge, he knows all this stuff. But Jesus flips it around. Jesus proclaims an authoritative spiritual pronouncement. You must be born again to enter the kingdom. And Nicodemus doesn't understand this. He is in the dark. That The kingdom was this, this future good place, this wonderful place that all the Jews are looking forward to. It was a promised future kingdom that would be ruled by the Lord. And the Jews thought their understanding was that all of them would be included unless there was some dodgy sin that hadn't been some really blatant sin. 
Because they were the children of God. They were children of Abraham. They were the Israelites, God's special people. And you see, that's Nicodemus' understanding as he, as he meets with Jesus here. But you see, what Jesus says to him really leaves him in the dark. How can that be, Nicodemus says? How can you be born and come out of your mum again the second time? What? And so Jesus responds in verse 5. Have a look there in verse, verse 5. Very truly I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless they are born of water and the spirit. Flesh gives birth to flesh, but the spirit gives birth to spirit. Jesus explains that to enter the kingdom of God, a person needs to be born again. That is a spiritual rebirth. It is a new beginning, an obvious inner transformation takes place. And it is the work of the Holy Spirit in doing that. It is God transforming people and giving them a new birth. One must be born of water and the Spirit. This isn't talking about baptism. Baptism is important, but that's not the point here. Uh, Rather, it symbolizes the same thing. As as the hearts are cleansed by water, as the hearts are transformed by the Spirit. While flesh gives birth to flesh, your first birth from your mother, that was once flesh from flesh, but the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, well, that gives birth to Spirit. It is a spiritual new birth, and it is God's transforming work within someone. You might have seen this transformation take place in someone as they have turned to Christ, as they've become a Christian. I read this great story this week about a boy who, uh, before he became a Christian, he would cheat on school tests with his best mate in the back row. They'd sit in the back row, they'd have their answers, they'd fill out the questions they could, and they'd swap their papers and make sure they had the same answer, and they'd swap back, boom, beautiful. They had the same answer, they, they did really well, they had the same answers, but they, but they did well, so it didn't matter. But see, when he became a Christian, he was transformed. He wouldn't cheat again. He decided never to cheat again. And so one test after a test, his, his mate comes to him angrily. What do you mean you didn't share your answers with me? What's wrong? What's going on with you? And he says, I've, I've become a Christian and I'm not going to cheat again. There was an inner transformation that had taken place in this. He, he was born again by the Spirit. And that transformation was seen by the others around him. Nicodemus hears Jesus and his mind is blown because it challenges his understanding and knowledge. You see, entrance into the kingdom isn't based on on my intelligence or or what I know or, or what my connections are. It is based on God's transforming spiritual work. His mind is blown because what Jesus is saying that even is saying to Nicodemus, the upright church-going, Bible-believing, religious guy, he's saying to him that even Nicodemus needs to be born again. He will not enter the kingdom of God based on his knowledge, his connections, his authority. It is based on God's inner transforming work of the Holy Spirit. You must be born again. While Nicodemus is in the dark about the work of the Holy Spirit, the new birth, and he's also in the dark about the, tra- uh, the revealing work of the Son. Uh, Nicodemus's problem was that he doesn't believe the word that Jesus speaks to him, his revealing testimony or word. Uh, Nicodemus was confused about the spiritual new birth and he asks, how can it be? 
And Jesus responds in verse 10. Have a look there at verse 10. You are Israel's teacher, said Jesus, and you do not understand these things. See, Nicodemus was the leading academic. He was the guy. He was the teacher in Israel, an expert in the Old Testament. He knew it backwards. And he didn't understand this, Jesus asked. And the thing he's missed the thing that he's failed to recognize, the thing he hasn't brought together is something from the book of Ezekiel, an Old Testament prophet who spoke 600 years before this event to to God's people. Uh, At that time, God's people, 600 years earlier, uh, during the time of Ezekiel, they were in judgment. God's people were in judgment for their rebellious ways. But you see, God gave them hope. He gave them a word of hope and a promise uh, to restore them. I've got these words up on the screen. Thanks. Uh, I will sprinkle clean water on you and you will be clean. I will cleanse you from all your impurities and from all your idols. I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. I will will remove from you your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit in you and move you to follow my decrees and be careful to follow my laws. God promises through Ezekiel that he will cleanse his people from their wicked and rebellious ways and give them a a new heart and a new spirit. Does it sound familiar? It's it's a spiritual rebirth. The hardened hearts wanting to sin and rebel against God will be replaced with spirit-filled hearts. And it is all God's work. God is the one who will transform his people giving them a spiritual rebirth. And so the issue for Nicodemus, as we see this morning, is not taking Jesus at his word. You see, he's seen the signs, he's been amazed by the signs he's performed, but he's failed to recognise what they are pointing to, that he is the Son of God, the Messiah, the one with authority to speak on these things and confirm these truths. He has not recognised the work of the Son of God as the revealer of this truth. Have a look there from verse 11. Very truly I tell you, we speak of what we know and we testify to what we have seen, but you people do not accept our testimony. I have spoken to you of earthly things and you do not believe. How then will you believe if I speak of heavenly things? Jesus says to Nicodemus, I speak plainly. I speak the truth because I know the truth and you do not believe my word. Jesus has explained with clarity the need of of how it is possible to enter the kingdom, but Nicodemus has not trusted that word. He has not accepted the word of Jesus and particularly his role as, as the revealer of this truth. And if you can't understand this earthly thing, that is the the idea of being born again, Nicodemus, well, there's no way you'll understand these heavenly things. And yet, despite that, well, Jesus goes on to explain the heavenly things anyway. Uh, As as Jesus reveals these heavenly things, he, he reveals the work of the Son as the Redeemer. In verse 13, we see that uh, the Son of Man, he's the one who has come from heaven, And he's the one who has authority, the one who has authority to speak. He's the one come from heaven who can speak on heavenly matters. And as he does, Jesus explains how one can be born again. 
and it's through the redeeming work of the Son. Have a look there from verse uh, 14. Just as Moses lifted up the snake in the wilderness, so the Son of Man must be lifted up. Let everyone who believes may have eternal life in him. Uh, well, back in, uh, and again in the Old Testament, back in the book of Numbers, uh, God used Moses uh, to lead his people uh, out of slavery into the promised land. But on the way, they rebelled against God again and again, and so God punishes them. He sends these venomous snakes, and, and many died. Uh, but as the people called out, God was gracious and provided a way for the people to be saved from the snakes. He told Moses, get a stick and make this bronze snake and stick it to the stick. And whenever someone is bitten by the snake, as they look to the pole, they will live. And through that, God graciously saved his people and he gave their new life to those who looked to that bronze snake. And in the same way, the Son of Man will be lifted up so that the people who look to him in faith will be saved. Those who believe and trust his testimony, his word, will be saved and have eternal life. And the idea of the Son here being lifted up really has this double meaning. I'm not sure if you, you notice that, but there's this double meaning. One, it refers to him being lifted up on the cross, where he was nailed and hung on their cross, where he took the punishment for, for our sin, the world's sin and rebellion the punishment that we so justly deserve. But that was his redeeming work in saving us as he was lifted up onto the cross. But on the other hand, it's also he was lifted up in glory, in exaltation. Uh, Jesus died and three days later he rose to life as normal people. They die, they stay in the grave. But Jesus, he stood up from the grave in resurrected glory. And as he does that, people are drawn to him. As he rises, we too will rise in that final day. As the sun is lifted up, there is that double meaning of being up on the cross and also in that resurrected glory. And as Jesus explains this to Nicodemus, as he explains the work of the sun in revealing and redeeming, Nicodemus, how does one enter the kingdom? Well, you've got to be born again being transformed by God. But you've got to believe the testimony and the word of the Son who's made it possible uh, through a spiritual rebirth, uh, through his redeeming work. And for those who believe, well, there is salvation, eternal life, entrance into the kingdom. Amazing. I wonder if you've noticed as we've gone, been working through here that uh, the Father three in one aspects. There's the work of God the Son and, and God the Holy Spirit. And now here we see the, the work or the, the loving plan of God the Father, uh, which brings us to the, to the famous, famous verse, John 3.16. Have a look there at uh, John 3.16. Uh, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. In this most famous of verses, God shows us his love. Love for a world, a world that rejects him and hates him, all that is broken and sinful about humanity. 
in the way that we deny him and not recognize him, the poor way that we treat him. That is the world, and yet God loves the world that he sent his one and only son to rescue and redeem the world and to give life to those who trust him. I read this uh, article uh, this week about uh, how much Australians spend uh, on Valentine's Day. Did you see this article as well? Do you know that Aussies spend about half a billion dollars, half a billion dollars on their loved ones on Valentine's? Isn't that crazy? Anyway, half a billion dollars. Anyway, uh, the reports show that men will spend 50% more than twice as much as, as women uh, and that uh, two out of five of us will spend an average of $75 for our beloved Valentine. Would you spend 75 bucks on one? I didn't. I love my wife. Emily's great. She's she's a wonderful lady. Her parents are here, so I feel bad now that I'm uh, saying this here. But I love her lots, but I, I don't really buy into Valentine's Day. Um, and I, I show my love in other ways. She's worth heaps more than 75 Heaps more. <laughs> heaps more. <clears throat> and yet God, in his love for the world, well, he doesn't hold back. There is no expense spared <clears throat> in giving his one and only son to save and rescue the world, to save us. Now that is love. But you see, what surprised me most about this passage uh, this week, uh, or last week as I was, I was working through it, was that God sent his son to save. Not to condemn, but to save the reason the word became flesh, the incarnation, was to save. Have a look there from verse 17. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe stands condemned already because they have not believed in the name of God's one and only son. God sent his son into the world to save. In love, he sent the son to save. And for the people who come to the son, who believe his word, well, they are born again. They have recognized their need for a savior and and God has given them new life. But to not believe, to not trust God's son, who God sends in love, will they stand already condemned? You see, people aren't forced to believe when that happens. It's awful. People can't be forced to believe. But people are responsible for their own actions and, and their own rejection of God and are condemned already for the way that they have rejected the Son's testimony and his life-saving work. Which really brings us to the point of, of this conversation with Nicodemus. Nicodemus was the the righteous, church-going, Bible-believing guy who came genuinely uh, uh, inquiring, genuinely inquiring of Jesus. But he remained in the dark. And at this stage, uh, he doesn't trust Jesus' revealing word and the necessity of being born again leading to eternal life. And so the question is the same for us this morning. Are you born again? Is your faith genuine? 
Have you been transformed by the Spirit? Or do you have a phony faith like Nicodemus, based on the miraculous signs he's seen or the signs you've seen, or based on your life because you have attended church all the days of your life? What would people say about you? Have they noticed that transformation in your life? Would they describe you as a follower of Jesus? Maybe more revealing, more telling would be, how would your non-church friends describe you? Would they recognise that you have been transformed and you're a fool for the way that you live? Or would they say you're just the same as then? Oh, I accept you go to church on Sunday. Years ago, I was speaking to this, uh, to this guy in the country about, and he was telling me about his elderly mother, uh, mother. She had grown up in the church. She was involved in the church her whole entire life. She had served in every single way possible. Parish council, Bible reading, morning tea, music, I'm sure. You name it, she did it. But when she was 95 years of age, 95, her son shared the gospel with her and she was born again at 95 years old. Despite her long involvement in the church, she was transformed. She was born again at 95 and she lived a transformed life for the rest of her days. We might have been raised in a church Christian family and always attended church, but really never taken it on board for ourselves or just assumed that we know. So let me ask, have you been born again? Is the transforming, transforming work of the Spirit evident in your life? Have we trusted and uh, believed that what Jesus has revealed is true and that he's the only way to God? If you haven't already this morning, let me urge you to do that this morning. And while I encourage you to look inward and ask, are you saved or have you been born again? I want to encourage those who might struggle or doubt their salvation. We may, we may struggle to, and doubt whether we're saved because we struggle with sin, but the reality is we will continue to struggle with sin until Jesus returns in glory. And that sin may cause us to doubt and question whether we truly believe. But what marks us different is what we do with that. Do we gladly live in sin, in rebellion against God and not care? Or do we daily repent of our sinful, broken ways? Because we are forgiven not based on our good moral effort, our good law-keeping, whatever it might be. We are saved because of God's transforming work in our lives. We've trusted his word that Jesus is the revealer and the redeemer and he has given us eternal life. We trust in him. Look, there is so much more to say about this passage and so I won't this morning, but let me give you a couple of conversation things, uh, conversation starters uh, over morning tea today. Uh, what are the implications of this passage when it comes to evangelism? Or what do you think the effect might be on the world around us as we live transformed lives in the world among us? This is a great passage uh, this morning. We have seen the, the, the Trinity in work in God the Father, God the Son and God the Holy Spirit. 
God in his love sent the Son who gives us his spirit to rescue and redeem us, not treating us the way that we deserve, but giving us a new birth, transforming us, that we might believe the revealed testimony of his Son. Let's pray. Father, we are so thankful for your love. You are such a a loving, wonderful Father in heaven who has sent your Son to save us, not treating us the way that we deserve, but redeeming us through the death and resurrection of our risen Lord Jesus. We are so thankful for him. We are so thankful that we have had the privilege to to learn about this uh, and see that from, from John 3. And we do pray that we would trust and listen to the testimony of Christ and that we would truly believe based on his word. We are so thankful for the way that you are transforming us. And we do pray that you will continue to transform us, making us more like your son as we wait for him to return. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.